of the truth of this statement lies in the very book that you hold in your lap, and it lies in the very world in which you live. Let's look at this statement in red right here, uh, just in its um, linguistic nature. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Which heavens? It has an S on it. Well, that's a uh, uh, Hebrew colloquialism. They would say things like heavens and the earth, and that would include everything that you and I can see in our galaxy. Just as far as we can see, everything that we know about, everything that we can see, and even those little tiny things that we can't see. You know, I heard a few years ago we split the atom. I didn't even know what that was. Do you know it's smaller than what you think it is? Do you know God created that? By the way, did you know God created the ability to split that? And at the same time, created dinosaurs and men and elephants and fish and land and plants. Have you ever looked at the idea of plants and people and figured out how well they go together? What do plants give off? It's not a trick question, is it? Jonathan, that's oxygen, right? What do people give off? Carbon dioxide. What do plants need to live? Carbon dioxide. What about people? Oxygen. How about that? Almost as if they were made to go together. For, for us to look at the, the nature of this world and the things that surround us and, and to ever even think to utter the statement about 16.5 billion years ago boggles my mind. And as we look at Genesis chapter 1, we see the institution of laws and theories. A law, a scientific law is based on a repeating observation. Underneath the same conditions, you'll get the same results. You know what happens if you put water in a, in a container that is less than 32 degrees? It freezes. Every time. The conditions are the same. The result is the same. And that's a provable law every single time. And we have been brainwashed over the past few years to think that the word law and theory are the same thing. A theory is a summary of one or more hypotheses based on some sort of supposition. For example, I know why my truck runs when I turn it on. It's because there's some sort of gremlin in there moving all the parts. So I think, I don't, I don't know how a combustible engine works. Do you think that theory is a good theory on combustible engines? No. Now, it is a theory that's based on some sort of hypo hypothesis based off of my supposition, but my supposition is wrong, and so is my hypothesis. Why in the world would I not think my summary is wrong? The work that you're probably thinking about in your mind is entitled... Uh, on the origin of species, 
through the process of natural selection is the name of the title of the book that was co-written by Charles Darwin. The supposition of the theory that we're going to look at tonight comes from this book and those journals found that he wrote through the islands of the Galapagos. If you take a moment and you read that book and you read through those journals, here's what you're going to find out. He saw some finches that had different kinds of beaks. So what? You know what he did not find? And this is the basis of the idea of evolution. What he did not find is a finch that had an elephant trunk growing off of it because it's in mid-transformation. He found by dietary needs, the beak needed to change in order to open up certain types of seeds. Would you call that evolution or adaptation? Look at the second law of thermodynamics. I know you just have that right on hand all the time. Uh, the second law of thermodynamics deals with the transfer of energy and the fact that it is irreversible. Did you know things wear out? They eventually just get worn out. And, and is anybody else here hard on their shoes? I am hard on shoes. Miss Brandy has shoes. She, I had a long time. She's good on her shoes. She's light on her feet. I stomp and I walk a lot. Do you know that? Shake your head this way. And so my shoes wear out quickly. You know, I've never had a pair of shoes that I've taken them out of the box, put them on my feet, and then when I go to take them off that, the next, uh, the, at the end of the day, I think, boy, these shoes have gotten better. The traction and the, and the, uh, uh, the grip on these shoes has, has exponentially gotten better. That's because things are wearing down. That's the second law of thermodynamics. And yet evolution would say at some point in time, everything was Increasing in value and not decreasing. It's the difference between a law and a theory. Notice this. When you look at Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, what you're going to see is the, the compelling case for an intelligent designer. Intelligent designer you mean those things didn't just come from from one or the other no they didn't just come that way look at the hands that you have on my longest finger on my left hand i burned it this week and it made a little bubble and everything. And, you know, the doctor says, don't burst the bubble. And if you leave that bubble there long enough, eventually, uh, if you do anything through the week, it'll burst on its own. Anybody ever experienced that? 
Now, I'm at the point at which that white skin is peeling off and my body is producing new skin to cover that imperfection. By the way, did you just hear what I said? I am at the point at which my body is creating new skin. Why is it not such a detriment to my body when I burn myself so that I'll never be able to function with that finger again or this, this part of my hand or that part of my foot? Because of the design of the human body. What an interesting design we have just in our hands as we have the ability to grab and, or grip and to, to grab a hold of something tightly. We have the ability and the, and the dexterity to hold something very gently. How many of you wear glasses? All right. How many of you brave souls wear contacts? All right. Of you brave souls who wear contacts, of which I am jealous, how many of you put in your own contacts? All right. How many of you who wear contacts and who put those in would allow someone else to put them in? Just the right pressure. Just the right place. You're not ever jabbing your eyeball. That's no good. All because of this one little part that was so complexly made, intricately made. You know, our prosthetic um, opportunities in this nation have grown by leaps and bounds over the last two decades, but they are nothing compared to the one that God gives. Imagine if you could, we're on the lovely White Sands Beach in a place called Fort Morgan, Alabama. Ever been there? If you go any souther, you get wet. That's as far south as you can go in Fort Morgan. Let's suppose we're walking on that beach and we see a, a beach towel that's sitting out there and there's a laptop there. And it's on and it's running and it's even uh, connected to the internet and they're downloading uh, some Disney movie, who cares? And you look at me and you say, you know, when the tide came in, that computer just washed up. And it started functioning. It started downloading. It started connecting to the internet by itself. You know what I would say to you? We need to find you a hat. Here's the reason. The sun has begun to bake your head. We would say about that, this person is obviously trying to pull something over on us. We would say about that person, they're obviously just sort of putting it out there tongue-in-cheek. But this is the same idea from which evolution comes. That the complexity of our world, the complexity of our body, not to mention animals. By the way, duck-billed platypus, figure that out. 
all of that came through a natural selection and not a creator? Do you really expect me to believe that? Notice this. As you and I look at those outside sources, we can find case after case after case that would, would be very compelling and, and prove to us the fact that God is who He said He is and has done what He said He has. But take a moment and flip through your Bible and mark these places if you can. Matthew or Genesis chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 4, Psalm 89, Isaiah chapter 40, Jeremiah chapter 31, Ezekiel chapter 28, Malachi chapter 2, Mark chapter 13, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Ephesians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 2, Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 10. Every single time they begin to mention how God created and sustained. And I see you feverishly writing. I'm sorry I got faster and faster. I wanted to see if you would write faster and faster. The idea is there's not one single book found in the Bible that says God created the earth. All 66 say it. Let me ask you a question. If God says something one time, is it important? What if He says it in every single book He writes? You think it's important? Sure. Why, why is this Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, why is it such a controversial verse? Because you have to pick sides. I have to pick sides. Am I going to be on the side of truth? Or am I going to be on the side of the majority? That's the ultimate question here. Are you going to be on the side of truth or the side of the majority? And let, let me remind you of the words of our Savior when He said that the majority of people are going to hell. There is a broad way. And many there be that find it. And so, would you believe God if He said, I created it? What if He said it multiple times? What if He said how He created it? And on the days in which He created it and the order in which He created it, He did. Turn in your Bible for just a moment to Ephesians chapter number 1. Out of all of the places we could go, I like Ephesians chapter 1 because when Paul is writing to the, book, to, the, to the church at Ephesus, as he begins writing this book, first of all, he's writing it by inspiration, and so we know where that's coming from. But secondly, he's writing how those creation uh, ideas interact with what God's plan was with the church. Now, notice this. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the found... Maybe that's not where I want to be. Let me look at that. Before the foundations of the... Wait a minute. Then that would mean that even before the first word is written in the Old Testament, even before God would say, let there be light... He had a plan for His church. Now let that sink in. Prior to God saying anything and anything being created, He knew what He was going to do and He knew what we were going to do. And God never has a plan B. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 the salvation of us was determined by God from the very foundation or before the very foundation of the world. Now, let that sink in. Because we're no longer dealing with just a universe and just a world and just this and just that. We're not dealing with just the physical now. Now we're dealing with the physical that leads to the spiritual. Did God know Adam and Eve would sin? Yeah. Why create them? If he knew they were going to sin, if he knew it was going to cost them his son, why create them? Why give them the opportunity to kill Jesus? Ephesians chapter 1, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. Why are all these things created? We get stuck so much on the fact that God created these things that we overlook the fact that God created these things for us to serve Him. I know that day one, day one, God made light when there was none is a very elementary way of looking at the creation of the world. But do you see the power in that particular song? God made light when there was none. Day two, God made oceans and skies of blue. Day three, God made plants and flowers and trees. Day four, God made sun and moon and stars galore. Day five, God made birds and fish alive. Day six, God made man and animals. Do you hear the point of that song? God made. For what purpose? So that I can be faithfully serving 
Him. In order to accept Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it's necessary for me to step down. It's necessary for me to get off of my high horse and think I run anything. It's necessary for me to, to look at God, who He is, what He has done, and understand this fact. The reason why I move and live and have my very being is because He allows it. Once I accept God's authority and creation, then God will have the throne on which He is supposed to have. And God will, will have the authority of that throne that He's supposed to have. But I'm going to have to get off of it. I'm going to have to step down. And like I told you this morning, I like being in control. What an interesting idea about the creation of the world the sustainer of that creation. How many people view Him and how they view Him? Now let me go one step further with your body. In order for God to recreate me, He had to be able to create me in the first place. If, if I believe God is going to save me, but I don't believe God made me, why do you think that God has the power to save? Why don't you just believe in the thing that created everything? The fundamental truth is this. God is, was, and always has been. And He has created us for a purpose. He has created us to be faithful to Him. He has created us to be servants of His. But we're going to have to choose that. We're going to have to choose to be His servants. We're going to have to choose to follow Him because there's no way God's going to force us to do that. On day six, when He made us, He gave us the ability to choose. Throughout time and throughout the history of the Bible and even throughout the history of man, you can see men and women who have chosen to, to follow after what God would say. You can see men and women who have chosen to simply walk away from that and never look back at it. And tonight, tonight you're presented with a choice. Will you... Be a servant of God's? Will you follow after what God has said by putting Christ on in baptism, by hearing what He has to say and believing those things? By repenting of your sin, confessing that Jesus is the Christ and being baptized in water for the remission of your sins? Would you be a child of God's as you walk out of that uh, watery grave of baptism to live a faithful life? The creation of the world does not prove the strength of God more than the saving of the soul. If you need to respond to heaven's invitation, let me encourage you to do those things right now. 
while we stand and sing for your encouragement. Oh, do not let the world...